Georgia Dow is a therapist, but she's not your therapist. This show should not substitute a personal consultation with a professional. me why my voice sounded different do you know anything about that at all <laughs> no i have no idea what that's about at all i i, I do know. know that impersonating people is wrong yeah and yeah we don't approve of that at all so everybody's recording yeah i yes. am all right hit it bailiff all rise court is now in session honorable judge georgia dow presiding everyone may take their seats please uh, we have the uh, prosecutor. Are you there? Yes, I'm right here, uh, Judge Dow. Okay, and uh, is the defendant in the court? Uh, yes, yes. Uh, he's that person right there, Steve Lubitz. Wait, wait, what? in court today. How are you doing, Steve? Uh, no, I was doing good about until about 30 <laughs> seconds ago. Objection, Your Honor. My client will not answer questions before court is in session. <laughs> is, is that the defense speaking? That's the defense speaking. I am defense attorney, Sergeant. Okay. Um, has the defendant been sworn? Uh, we should definitely take care of that now, if the bailiff could uh, swear in the defense. Okay. Uh, Steve Lubitz, please state your name for the, K, for the court. Steve Lubitz. <laughs> Very good. Do you swear that everything you say will be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? So help you God. What, what happens if I say no? Does that... It's really bad. You don't want to piss off Judge Dow. You don't want to piss off Judge Dow. That would be bad. That would be bad. That would be okay. I I do. All right. All right. Uh, If it may so please the court, I would like to present the charges, uh, Judge Dow, if that would be okay with you. You may begin. You know, it's uh, Overwatch finally came out. And, you know, as you can see in Exhibit A, which is our team uh, iMessage session, uh, you know, Mr. Lubitz here did agree to play Overwatch uh, with the team. Um, you know, we bought the game, we played the game, and in fact, the entire uh, clan was together. Uh, very unfortunately, on, mm-hmm. on Tuesday, when Overwatch came out, um, Mr. Lubitz here was called to come play, uh, you know, Overwatch with the rest of the group. And, you know, this is when I said, uh, ABO, always be overwatching. And Steve was like, no, I can't. I can't play. I'm playing Hearthstone. So it is actually true that Steve has only played two games of Overwatch this week, which is um, a very, very, very problematic thing. Uh, So something a prosecutor wants to do today is ordinarily a wife cannot be called to testify against her husband. But if it's okay with the court, we do have Maureen Lubitz here today to testify (laughs) against Steve's character. Is that okay with you, Judge Dow? I will allow that. Okay. Hey, Maureen, how are you doing today? Uh, hi there. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> Wait a second. Maureen sounds a lot like Steve did last week. Yeah. I don't understand. I, I, have, a, I have a little bit of a cold, as Steve uh, knows right okay. now. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so I guess one question, Maureen, is how would you rate Steve Lubitz's character? 
Uh, generally quite good, but in this case, uh, I think he's kind of failed. Yeah, 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 yeah. he really let down. Yeah, he kind of let you yeah. guys all down. Yeah, I'm yeah. Sorry. Objection, Your Honor. Leading the witness, we can't <laughs> I, I, have. We cannot have the prosecution agreeing with the 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 person on the stand. What? Okay. Why would that be? That's leading the witness. It's not allowed. I will. I will accept that. I will. I will accept that. I will accept that. Let's you, let's Thank hear Maureen job. speak. I'm pretty sure right. I don't approve of being tried under Canadian law. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Maureen, this um, is disruption would, law. What, what? Yeah, disruption law. Which serial killer would you say Steve was most like this week in in choosing ah, this course of action? I don't know. I, Steve kind of looks like Ted Cruz right now. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. I, no. No. <laughs> Defense is not gonna. They're not gonna object to that. Okay, I'm just letting it go okay. then. Okay. Uh, the prosecution rests, Judge Down. Okay. Pro- the the defense. Would you like to bring up any witnesses or? Well, I would have actually, any defense uh, at all. I would like to uh, counter uh, counter interview. I can't think of what it's called. Counter interview the witness, please. I will allow that. My first question for you is. When did you and Steve Lubitz get married? Oh, sometime in the past. <laughs> Could you be more specific, please? I, I'm starting to think this might not be Maureen who's on the line right now. This is this is what I'm wondering myself, uh, uh, Steve, and uh, I'm just trying to figure this out. So, yeah, uh, if you could tell me, when did you and Steve Lubitz get married? This it is important to the case, I promise. several years ago before our three children were born. <laughs> is it three? Gotcha. Gotcha. It was a, it was more than okay. three actually. Okay, yeah. No, no. Three. Well, more than three years. <laughs> but, yeah. All right. So you've known Steve for a long time, then. A few days. Yes, 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 yes. I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and in that period of time, how often did you ever question his character? I heard you say earlier that uh, you know most of the time there's there's no question of his character it was just in this one instance Is all that the correct? time uh, I, w- I was just trying to be nice actually it's it's all the, all the time right now i'm it's questioning his especially especially now Your Honor? yeah yeah many 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 questions Your Honor? about this character Judge Dow? yes i'm sorry i believe i hear whispering coming from the prosecution <laughs> uh that was that was my stomach whispering that was yeah oh okay that's acceptable then Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I question uh, Steve's character. In fact, can he you should please, be can you please the have garbage an, right now. Or something. Okay. Yeah, uh, I think Judge Dow should rule on this case, unless like Steve wants to go under oath. I think I, that Steve should. Yeah, Steve should definitely take the stand. I, I, I may okay, be better Steve, off not please, testifying. Uh, sworn in. Yeah, I would like Steve to take the stand, please. Steve Lubitz. Uh, Steve, uh, uh, do you understand that you are still under oath based on what you said earlier? Hello, hello, hello. <gasps> what in the world was that? I accept that as Steve understanding that he is still under oath. Okay. <laughs> Very well. Steve Lubitz, is it true that you only played two games of Overwatch with with uh with the group? That is so scary. Contempt, of course. Uh, Your Honor, he is not choosing to answer the question. We would like to ask for the death penalty. (laughs) (laughs) 
on. My client has a right to plead the fifth on the grounds that he might incriminate himself. Does does he? It, well, in my in my defense, it was actually three games of Overwatch that I played. Well, Judge, the the thing is, we met before this, uh, Steve and I, to to talk about the defense, and it just seems like our whole entire plan on what we are going to do to get him out of this is just not something he's willing to do. And you know, I I have a spotless record. I've never <laughs> lost a case before, and so, Judge, if you'll allow it. I must request that I be taken mm. off of this case because I can't work with a client who won't work with me. Okay, well, I guess that that means that we're going to have to uh, bring this yeah. to Twitter. Yeah, that's uh, fair. You may tweet out the verdict and then we'll take it by popular I'll, I'll just plead. I'll just plead guilty because that's uh, d- leaving myself in the fate of Twitter is a fate worse than death. You're so. going to be fine. Come on, <laughs> Twitter is made for white dudes. Right. You're going to be great. <laughs> Everyone is nice and wonderful on Twitter. Nobody's ever sent me pictures of devil dogs on twitter you know after i I tell you what the last time we said something to twitter willing to settle for steve lubitz doing 300 hours of community service playing as mercy and reviving the team in overwatch so we we would be willing to plea bargain this down in lieu of the death penalty Given that that's the only okay. character that I, can, that I can accurately hit with, that's probably an acceptable bargain. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> so, Judge Dow, is that settlement okay with you? That is acceptable. All wait, right. Wait, do I right. do I get in, do I get any leave to play as Bastion? No. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> this this court is adjourned. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Uh, court is now in recess. <laughs> recess. <laughs> all right. Very disappointed in you, Steve. You should you should always be playing Overwatch. Well, you know, I, I have I have twin masters, so You have twin masters? You mean besides the show? See I see this is this is the thing though, is that everyone's playing Overwatch so that the servers on Hearthstone are like super empty with noobs who I can crush under my heel. So I have to take advantage of wow. the of the situation, you know, while I can. I don't know. You're like scary, Steve, right now. You're not even <laughs> yeah. salty. I didn't know you had the side of you. I got I got yeah. some pepper in my salt is what is what it is. <laughs> so, Micah, is are you, you going to play Overwatch with us? Are you going to do it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> what? Do, do you have, you don't have a PS4, I guess. No, no, no. I have oh. an Xbox One. You have an that's Xbox nice. One. Oh, that's right. You have an Xbox One. Yeah. Yeah, and a Wii U. That well, that doesn't that doesn't my... help for Overwatch because that's that's not a real console. So, uh, yeah, no, no, I guess not. I guess I'll also have to be put on the stand. Uh, yeah. yeah, you know, I've played three more games of Overwatch than Georgia has. That's mm-hmm. true. That's true. But I'm Georgia's sorry, guys. the judge. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so I will tell my story. Okay. Uh, my husband has been desperately waiting for the HTC Vive. To come in, and uh, so he ended up. We he we ended up getting it. I don't know. I tweeted out. I think Tuesday. There we go. Tuesday, the HTC Vive arrived. I have never seen my husband so excited. Aww. It was better than Christmas for him. Better than Hanukkah. Better than the Tooth Fairy coming to his house. It was like magic he screamed and jumped around like he was four it was fabulous so we got rid of our couches 
they we got rid of the couches. The couches are now in the hallway. We have to climb over them to get to the room. What? We do. We have no the couches are in the hallway. We have to climb over the couches like a mountain um climbing excursion. We set up all of our jujitsu mats onto the floor, which is awesome for playing 3D games. That is Wait, so wait a minute. Good. Why are you playing jujitsu wearing the uh wearing the Vive headset? That doesn't sound very safe. You don't even like some of the games you want to crawl or you're going to crouch or you're going to duck down and it makes it so much nicer or you might trip over something and fall down. And so it's nice to have padding. Now, I put on so we by the time I went home for lunch to try it out. So I drove all the way back from work for lunch to try it out. I have to say, guys, it is the most amazing experience I've ever had in gaming wow wait better than shadow of mordor yeah it's not even it's not it doesn't (laughs) even compare it doesn't even compare you know how much fun we had at universal studios doing the 3d game rides yes um it this knocks those out of the park too wow Hmm. it is wow it is it's um, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's not even just a little bit amazing. I, you truly, it's almost like being taken from your real world and then plucked in the middle of a movie scene. And now you can interact with it. And for the vibe, it's, I was worried about my husband gets motion sick um, when he plays any um, uh, third person, first person game. He gets, he just gets motion sick and the bigger the screen, the quicker he gets sick. So we were really worried about that. On the Vive, now we don't have Oculus yet, on the Vive there was only one game that he filled nauseous with and that was an Oculus game he was playing on the Vive. Mm. Mm. And so he's playing, we have played now, we have logged like countless hours a night on <sighs> these games. None of them have made us ill. I'm so jealous. You can see? It's, yeah, it's, I am too. I can't even, I can't even, it's so... It's so amazing. It's so amazing. You can see the controllers in, in, with your visor. And the visor also has two motion detectors. So it can see not just 180 degrees around to you, but 360. So it can see how you're moving around as well. And it knows exactly where your fingers are on the controller what? as well. You press the trigger on the controller, which you can see on the screen, on, in your visor. You can see your hands. And you click the trigger button, it clicks down on your visor as well. It is phenomenally good. The first thing that I played was the blue. And that is an underwater experience of, there's three different experiences. So the first one was meeting a blue whale. I was, I almost had a panic attack in excitement. Not even a joke. I actually was getting so (laughs) excited that I was getting overwhelmed with the experience. It's almost too real. So what was the gameplay like, Georgia? Was it, I mean, is the software library there that it's, there's enough stuff there to really justify the, the expenditure for this? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, it's cool, not you got to be more specific. Like, yeah, it is details. so worth it. Yeah. I played one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. 11, I think 15 games. That's more I games played. we played all of last year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I played 15 games. Some of them were book-like experiences, but all the rest of them were were games. And there is only two games that I did not like. Both of them were on Oculus. Um, One was The Cell. I, it was okay. It was just meh. It was a little bit boring. Um, I, I played um, an archery game 
where you and that's inside the lab so you also get the lab which is like all these mini games and most of the games are so cheap they're like 10 to 20 bucks they're not expensive games um and so you're ending up using arrows to shoot these little tiny cutout people that are coming to attack your house Mm -hmm. um your castle and the coolest thing is that you so you can only move around in your space now there's one game and i forget the name of it where we're actually crawling around underneath into caverns what yeah, you're ca- traveling into caverns and it really, you really, th- like I'm walking over on the edge and I'm getting um, fear of heights because I'm on the edge of the cavern. I'm trying to step over bricks that are on the ground, though they're not there. Like you have to see that your brain, we really believe in um Vision. Vision takes up most of our brain power is vision. We say that like 60 to 90% of the brain is being fired when you're using vision. Um, You know, that's like full two to three billion firings per second that happen when you're using vision. That's how important vision is to us. You fully believe that you are there. Like you really... It is hard. It's it's still like it's not perfect. And there's some games I get a little bit of like a little cut, like a little. I can see it. It it doesn't move completely smoothly. Again, we probably need a like a thousand dollar graphics card to really make it fabulously smooth. But we can still play it. So we're gonna wait for a little bit. Well, that was my question for you because I mean, like you, I'm all in on Mac, and the idea of like you know spending money on a PC just makes me want to like cry and you know like i would rather <laughs> yeah, spend yeah. money on something you know supporting something more positive like my local drug dealer than <laughs> spending, <laughs> spending money on like right. a windows box right. you know so it's like i will i yeah. will run uh like this is what has me very concerned is because there's no oculus there's no mac at any price even you know getting efi hacks for you know custom made graphics card that will support oculus hardware so like which computer are you running this on i i'm running it on a on a windows uh yeah. base machine. we actually we do and i does always renee did, know I, about I, that micah can you tell can you tell <laughs> renee about this <laughs> renee knows renee can renee knows. sneak in and like steal this he from knows. georgia and, and mail actually, it to me where it will be safe i mean <laughs> We, we we purchased a computer just for this. Like we actually bought, um, and I my husband can tell. I don't know what actually the specs are, but I think it's a quad core, um, and it's it's really it really flies. But we we spent like a good, you know, I don't know eight hundred dollars just to to make sure that we could upgrade what we already had that we used for gaming so that we could play this. Um, it was worth every penny. Like in the end, we spent probably, I don't know, 13 to 15, a hundred dollars to play this. And I have to say, like, I thought like when he said, I want to do this in the H I'm like, ah, we're already getting Oculus. Like, meh. Yeah. no, it was a hundred, a hundred percent worth it. A hundred. I have never wow. ever had such an amazing, remember how I always talk about wanting my hollow deck. This is my bloody hollow deck. This mm-hmm. is, so good and this is first gen and it is blow you away have such excitement um i played um brookhaven experiment where you have these zombies coming at you and the coolest thing is that you stay in this little zone you can there's many different games that use space really well that they teleport you into a space and then you have your little square that you can see and the cool thing with the vibe is that when you get close to your edge i did once smash my controller into the wall oh my god Um, (laughs) yeah um, you, but when you get to the edge, it actually tells you by by showing up a grid on in your in your visor so that you know you're at a wall. 
So, Georgia, what you're saying is you're very disappointed with this experience and you would not recommend to the listeners yeah. that they yeah. do this. Exactly. Okay. No one's really – I can't go back to regular games. There's no way. I'm sorry. There's just – this is – it's it's amazing. Thinking about looking around a corner and I'm actually moving. I'm actually moving and tilting my body to look around a corner. When I want to block, I'm playing a space pirate trainer and, and so you're. it's almost like Galaga but you're in there and I have a shield that I actually throw up to block – the in- incoming fire, and then I try to shoot around Ugh. the shield to hit all of the um, little, you know, flying saucers that are trying to attack me. And I'm looking up, and I'm shooting to the left, and then I'm shooting to the right, and then I'm ducking underneath one. And I don't do the rolls because that would probably break the visor. But um, <laughs> I, I'm like ducking down. I'm crawling on the ground. This is so amazing. Um, the one with the zombies that are coming at you to attack you. I was physically shaking as I had my my laser sight on these zombies that were were endlessly coming towards me. It was like I could hear my breathing. I'm like, (sighs) and I'm just trying to shoot and not die as they come at me. Um, They're the controllers. They're very they they fit really good into your hand. They have a little squeeze on the side for picking up things. There's a trigger finger. There's not too many buttons that you get confused with it. It's. It's so amazing. There's dungeon crawlers where you run around the place and gather up resources and try to fight things. There's stories. There's drawing in 3D. This is, you know, you're you're shooting knives and you're really shooting at it. You're playing tennis and you're actually moving around and playing tennis. It is well worth the money. Brie, go get it. Okay. You sold me. Georgia Dow, I'm going to do it. I'm going to follow my dreams. I'm not going to let my dreams be dreams. I'm going to do it. I'm going to spend, I'm going to go max out my credit card. I'm going to spend all that sweet disruption money that I get. It's going to be, I'm just going to drive over to HTC headquarters. And I'm just going to throw in the giant sack. Of, I'm going to throw them the big cash money wad that I got from so here. I, and my yes. brother's coming over at nine o'clock in the morning. He works like a full-time job. Anyways, he's coming what? at nine o'clock in the morning to try this. You're in space. Uh. You're really in space. Like the sounds, the um, okay. feeling. All right. The, All right. When you touch something, the controller vibrates. When you shoot, you can feel the, the feedback coming back towards you. Eh, yeah. It is better than – it's – I – yeah, it is. It is all that. You that. sound. You sound like my friend. Uh, I'm not going to give you her name, but like when she was telling me <laughs> what it was like when she tried cocaine for the first time. <laughs> that's exactly what she's like. Oh, and Brie, it's just it just makes your brain buzz, and it's like you don't feel any of those problems. Like that's what you sound like, oh, yeah. George. Do we like, do we know that George has actually gotten a vibe or did somebody just, you know, give her some cocaine and, and tell her that, give her that, that, yeah. that this pair of glasses is a vibe. Like, yeah, <laughs> it might be acid. Right. It could be acid. Yo, this, yeah. this is, oh, it's so amazing. It's so okay. worth it. It's okay. worth all of it. your money. I get that. It's amazing. <laughs> I get it. So are you are you keeping your Oculus pre-order or cuz I mean it's not going to have the controllers it's not going to have it's not going to have the room sensing like is there any point to to keeping that I mean compared to the to the to the Vive at this point Um yeah we'll we'll probably keep the the Oculus as well 
But um, the Oculus games are not as good as the Vive games. And again, there's probably some Oculus. I've only played a few of them. And then after I was like, okay, I'm just going to. Because they use the um, the Xbox or PlayStation controllers instead. And that's not the same experience at all. Like it's not even close to the same feeling to it. And I think that that ruins that feeling of being, you know, immersed in a game. You are in the game. You are fighting those robots. Like when you're using the normal controller, you just feel like a, a soul floating through space. Yeah. Like it yeah, makes you feel very disconnected. So mm-hmm. awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, we're going to check that out. I want to see some videos on I'm more of Georgia Dow looking like a fool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really, quick question, really quick question, Georgia. Yeah. Um, what do you think of what do you think of it? <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what the interesting thing is, is that. I was thinking about how amazing this would be. This will, like we talked about how good this is going to be to help people deal with fears and phobias and uh, fears of heights and flying. And this will work. This will really help it. I Like it'll shell shock. I think that when it gets really realistic, I think that it'll shell shock people. Because I felt the first, after I first used it, I was, I, I, I forget which game I was playing. I think I was playing budget cuts and you're fighting robots. And I felt like, ner- like racked after that for a wow. little while. Um, and so, so you're saying I'm going to strap this to my head and you're going to put giant feet in front of me and I'm just going to, yeah. you're going to be like, rub the feet. It's going to be like Karate Kid and just people are going to be kicking you with bare feet. If I, I want to get this and I want a Sailor Moon game to come out for it. And I never want to leave like Sailor Moon Universe again. <laughs> no, I will never come back. I will never, ever you, come back. So I will right. be fighting yeah. mega creeps. Yeah. Like people oh, yeah. will deliver packages to my house and I'll be like, in the name of the moon, pow. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that's what I want to do. Like, I want to live in any other universe except for this one. Like, like yeah. if, if Donald Trump becomes president, I'm just going to like get the vibe. I'm just going to put it on and I'm just going to be in like Barack Obama land forever. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. <laughs> you, so. it, is, it is true. I think that people will get lo- when this gets better. I think that there'll be a whole bunch of issues that come up with that. But we can talk about those on another time. Oh, come on, but- Georgia. There are no issues that came out. They said the same stuff about the Internet and MMOs. And those were completely <laughs> harmless to society. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Nothing Georgia. bad has ever happened with that. We don't need your no fear and anti-VR talk here, <laughs> so, Judge Dow. So have you, let, have you let the kids use it at all? Because I know that there's a lot of um, uh, like a lot Money. of warnings, especially with the PlayStation VR, about kids who are under 13 using the VR headsets because it could like destroy their vision because it's calibrated for like adult pupillary distances and stuff like that. Like, what? Yeah, I let them use it. We let them use it only for like twenty minutes at a time. Oh, your kids aren't allowed to play video games anyway, so that that's they I guess that's usually, not an issue. But um, no, I let I've let them use it, and we just cut down the amount of time that they can play on it. They love Job Simulator, which is hilarious and cute. Um, and then they head down to the lab and play all of the mini games where they can do archery or like like an Angry Birds type of game. Or also um, take a look at the human body and then use a cut scope where you can look through what a skull would look like in a cross section. You can bring it all the way through the skull. I have. Oh, still that's games- not going to have any problems with your serial killer tendencies, fortunately. So, <laughs> yeah, no worries there. Feel safe. More effective. Is it, is it just skulls or could you say look at feet? Right. You could you could ah. look at the 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 uh, feet bones. It's okay. a skeleton. So you. I don't oh, know okay. If that would... That's fine. I can do Is that. that. Okay. You just don't like the fleshy part. Yeah. It's well, the squishy it's the flesh and the sweat and the foot just simulator weird toes. 2017 coming to Micah's and house. Toenails. It's gonna and be great. Just, ugh. Oh yeah. 
Okay, we'll have to we'll have to we'll have to ask them to get that ready then. So, Georgia, something I really do feel strongly about, and you know, part of what makes it hard, like on podcasts for me, is often I I worked with some of the experimental stuff, but I can't talk about it because I'm under NDA with it. But I I would say this for some of the stuff I would say, and again, for legal purposes, I'm just talking very generally here. I'm not talking about any one product, but um, I definitely, definitely, definitely believe that this is a technology that has huge huge potential to trigger people in psychologically damaging ways. Like, I don't know if you've tried, like, real graphic violence yet in VR, but it's extremely disturbing. Uh, You know, I've talked on this show before about my own struggles with, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder. And I know when I start hearing screams and things like that in in VR, it it will make my hand shake. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. It really could cause... Um, effects. It's it's very realistic, and yeah. because of that, right now it's there. The games are. I have not found them, and I can't play a lot of different horror games. They're they're too much. Yeah, I haven't found as of yet a game that I found that was too graphic. Again, um, I haven't played all of the really scary ones because they're really scary ones. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it could cause also trauma. Just as I think that it could heal trauma, I think that it could also um, cause you to feel traumatized because our brains really feel that whatever we see is true. And so I think that we have to be cognizant. I think that's a very good point, Brie. Well, I really worry that it's one thing to see a hypersexualized woman in a game. I think in VR that is going to have um, you know tremendous effects. It's true that we do know that video games mm-hmm. don't cause violence. It's true that they don't cause violence. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of research showing that video games do slow your social skills. They do uh, kind of lessen that uh, emotional response to violence. So I really, um, you know, something I have a professional presentation that I've given a few times this year is I feel like just like the ESRB came along and we we gave consumers information about the games that they're playing, saying, look, this game has a lot of gore in it. This has alcohol use. This has sexuality. Like that is a good thing to give consumers this information. I really feel that we as an industry need to preemptively get ahead of the ball on this because I do believe you are going to have some children that play this and get psychologically damaged in a very severe way. And I worry that those lawsuits could kind of come and affect a very nascent industry. So I would like to see us like, I think saying this is not meant for children under a certain age is a fantastic idea, but I would like to see us take that a step farther and start studying like, hey, this could, you know, this has violent content that could trigger this. This has hypersexualized, you know, depictions of women. So it could affect this and that. I mean, do you agree with that? Do you disagree? Yeah, I think that I think that we need to be even more wary about one because it's so immersive. The amount of time that that your children would spend uh, using games that are so immersive, and yet what they are going to be doing in the games, you should play the games before truly, if you can, or or do a lot of research before you allow your child because it is you really do believe it, and you know. Yeah. So you know, we we actually not just that. We also watch our kids while they're playing their games. Right. One is so that they don't like smash one of the controllers <laughs> in the wall. Um, but also to see if it's too much for them, if it's not. And most of the games, there's some games that are really like job simulator. You're like making eggs and bacon and, and giving it out and stuff. 
but it's to them it's very real and to kids that don't have um know the difference between like you know what is real and what is on tv yeah. which is you know usually you say that's between like you know four and five five to six but it depends also on the child so you want to know your own child at the same time before you have them play it but i think that we do need to really talk about what's going to be out there and how it's going to affect people. Yeah, and I think the other thing with that, too, is that you can't, like, normally if you're, like, watching something that might be on the edge for them, right, like a movie that maybe is, like, a little bit beyond their comfort level, like, you can be sitting next to them and, like, comfort them and explain to them that it's not real and that it's, and if they have questions, you can answer them. If they have, you know, a sensory deprivation helmet on their on their head, you can't necessarily oh, yeah. do that as easily as a parent. Not only that, it could be very scary. Yeah. So mm-hmm. my husband was playing Brokehaven Experiment, which is the one with the zombies that come at you. And because I'm a horrible person, um, I'm <laughs> filming him play uh, the game. And it's really scary. And he's, like, screaming. He's very frightened. It's a really scary game. And we're playing it at night, which is not smart. And so I'm filming him. And so then I just go up to him and I just touch his shoulder. Now, remember, oh, zombies. Oh, that's awesome. And I'm know. the one who's being put on trial. <laughs> <laughs> we already know I'm guilty. Um, and so I, I, I just go over and I have the camera in one hand and I, I actually just like touch his shoulder and he like screamed, he lost it. Like, because it's so real. Like he thought it was a zombie touching his shoulder. Um, and, uh, like I chuckled and giggled and kept on filming him and he's like said, you know, I hateful things to me after that, uh, which I fully deserved. But yeah, you're definitely going to hell, Georgia. (laughs) You're definitely going to hell. (laughs) Awesome. So yes, with a child, you wouldn't be able to do that. You can't just throw the helmet off of them or turn off the game that quickly. So you want to be even more careful because of that. Yeah. Yeah, not worried at all. Not worried at all. The (laughs) 90s worked out fine. So Steve, you had another topic you kind of wanted to talk about this week. So there was another story that came out, you know, while we're talking about things for the future. And we talked a couple, a couple <laughs> weeks ago about how Siri was, as Georgia was afraid that Siri was going to be this, the, what was going to usher in Skynet. We have this thing that sounds like it's straight out of Minority Report come out this week where there's a, an algorithm that's being used in the criminal justice system here in the U.S. to score people who enter the criminal justice system to determine how likely it is uh, if they're released that they're going to commit another crime and, and particularly another violent crime. And this, there was this piece out in ProPublica that, I'll, that we'll link to in the show notes, um, really, really detailed going through a lot of the results out of this algorithm and, and pointing out that it appears that it's coming back with results that are very, very different for white people versus people of color. And they have an example at the beginning of the piece of two two people who both shoplifted from a store and got arrested. And one of them one of them is black and one of them is white. And the the system said that the black person was much more likely to reoffend, even though she has not. Mm. And the white person was much less likely to reoffend and he actually has been uh, arrested for another crime subsequently. So uh, it's it's kind of a, a canary in the coal mine, also almost because there are a lot of these types of um, a lot of these types of algorithms and data mining projects that are starting to affect our lives a lot more. Like the conference that I that I was at is, I mean, this is this is the area in which I work. I work in business intelligence, and and we're starting to get into data science a little bit. I, I was learning a lot about how a lot of this stuff works in the back end 
to to do things and it's you know everything like this is kind of a double-edged sword you can do a lot of good with it or a lot of evil but this seemed like a really almost i don't want to say egregious but a really negative aspect of what all this data that's floating around can can really affect people's lives in in a negative way well i mean i saw this i saw this article and you know, clearly they came up with a single case of, you know, that certainly seems to be very, very racially terrible, right? Like they, they had an example of one person kind of, um, that, that was caught with a very nonviolent crime as opposed to somebody with a very, very violent crime. And they went on to commit, uh, violent crimes and they happened to be white and they, you know, the person they interviewed happened to be black. I, I do have to say that it seems with any large data set, I, I kind of didn't like that anecdotal opening yeah. because you could pick any single you know instance in there that shows the conclusion you want to have yeah. and you know like have right. that tell the story you wanted to tell. What I personally didn't see in that ProPublica piece was you know like a really good statistical data driven analysis showing why uh the outcomes were bad i would say this though that i think in any kind of system like this like terrible results tend to you know lead to terrible results there so if you have a system like the us justice system that's very very racist against black people you know obviously that past <laughs> like trend there is going to affect future cases going forward so um i think it it's, it's very, very troublesome. I mean, it's almost minority yeah. report like. It's, I mean, especially when you're when you're using this to, you know, make a decision on people's lives. I mean, that I guess I guess that's really, really you have to be really, really confident in the results. And if it's, you know, the problem with a lot of these algorithms that are are modeling these types of statistics is that it's a person at the end of the day who's doing the modeling. Right. So right. You, like there's when you're doing machine learning, there's a lot that you can do with the model itself to kind of train it and give it more data and refine it. But at the end of the day, it's still a person who's got their hands on the dials who's, who are training it. And and when you're using it for like one of the examples that I saw at this conference was a lot of like mechanical trying to prevent mechanical failures, right? Like if you have uh, some sort of, he- of piece of heavy machinery that costs like a couple of million dollars and it breaks, that's a very expensive problem, especially if it breaks spectacularly. And But there are sensors all over all these things that will send out all, a, a lot of data to a system that you can analyze. You can kind of see patterns in the sensor data and send somebody out there when you see a pattern of abnormal sensor readings to fix it or shut it down before it breaks and, and it ends up losing a lot of productivity. Like that's a really great use of this type of thing. But if mm-hmm. you fix something, if you fix a piece of machinery before it breaks and it wasn't actually going to break, like not, that's not really a big deal. Like you still have a working piece of machinery and maybe you sent somebody out when you didn't have to, but that's a small problem. When you keep somebody in jail because the algorithm or the model says that they're going to reoffend when that's not necessarily the case or it doesn't take into account things that the model doesn't account for because of the the what the person who's writing the model is has in their mind of what should be contributing to it that's where things can really really go awry what do you think Micah? Uh, this whole thing is is just uh super frustrating to me simply because i mean it's all based on the fact that 
Yeah, if if you've got you know imperfect humans doing imperfect things in in setting up these data models and and whatnot and kind of putting their own personal thoughts and beliefs into it, then you're going to run into issues like this one where it like I don't know objectively or subjectively I guess doesn't make any sense. But uh, if we just kind of like let these things run in the background and let them do their thing, then these bad things can happen or these these misunderstandings can happen. And that's like the biggest thing for me is what happens when we start to rely more on these statistical models for all the different things that we do and decisions that get made. And uh, you know whether that be in something like. Um, government help for people or that be in, uh, again, here with, with uh, crime and, and, and things like that. It's just, it's scary to me, honestly, um, especially given what we know and what we see about uh, the still rampant uh, prejudice of, of all varieties that, that exists in the U.S. and elsewhere. So I don't know. I, I guess I would say this, though, Micah, and, you know, I hate the phrase like devil's advocate because I think when we we're talking about racial issues, we have so many devils already advocating. But I would say this as someone that's covered a lot of uh, court cases in the South, and I've very clearly seen the extreme uh, racial prejudice against black people mm-hmm. there, not just from, you know, officers, which, you know, are a hell of a lot more likely to go, you know, police, uh, you know, black people in town smoking marijuana versus, you know, people at the frat house doing right. it. Um, I do, I can see a way where if this algorithm were done well, it could kind of counter some of that that human prejudice that's already built in because we know the outcome of the current justice system which is horrific towards black people like by every single objective measure so i can imagine something like this being done in a more neutral way to kind of you know give more uh, equality to sentencing i think it's very notable that when women are convicted for the exact same crimes as men especially white women like we get much 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 lighter sentences so i i i can i can see something like this being done well Mm -hmm. but it doesn't surprise me that kind of our first swing at it out of the gate is kind of reflecting the prejudices that we have because god knows we see it every yeah. other freaking industry <laughs> see in the game industry we see in big data yeah. we see it in social networks so of course it's gonna accept you know now it's not like you're looking at some hypersexualized woman now you've got somebody that's in jail and it shouldn't be yeah. so stakes are a little higher no but that is a really good point and yeah if we can figure out a way to make it to where you do take out the human emotion the, the like right. negative part of the human emotion and it's simply just we look at the facts and we look at the things that are in front of us and it's got you know the necessary uh tweaks that need to be made or whatever but most of the most of it's just looking subject or objectively rather at the facts and saying okay this is what happens and there's no kind of way for prejudice one way or the other to get into it yeah i I absolutely agree. I think that uh, ideally that would be a far better system because the one that we have right now is uh, based on on uh, people who make, you know, who who are flawed because we all are. Well, I think it's worth saying, like, look at Peter Thiel this week. You know, that is something with his uh, you know, lawsuits against Gawker. And, you know, certainly that's going to get a lot of press. But, you know, something uh, – how can I say this? 
You know, something I notice a lot working in the VC scene a lot is I've had to learn how to kind of keep my mouth shut around libertarians because they so encompass every single aspect of the venture capital system, especially big data. You know, Peter Thiel, his scariest thing isn't trying to sue Gawker out of existence. It's the fact that this hyper extremist libertarian that wants to, like, build cities – they're permanently on ships, so like they can stay away from like any kind of jurisdiction from other bodies. His biggest startup, one of the most valuable secretive startups in the entire world, is a military intelligence service that does exactly this kind of thing, mm. giving data for a price to different militaries around the world. So my my argument, and Steve, I'd love to know your opinion on this, is it would be very easy for me to imagine that the people putting these systems together have a very, very, very specific um, background, that kind of, you know, pro-establishment kind of libertarian philosophy. I mean, do you see that, Steve? I don't even know that this could very easily be something that is not intentional, but is it, you know, but there's, there could be, you know, like sins of omission that are put in from, if you, I mean, we've seen, all the time, right? Like where there are experiences that people who are not of our background have that we don't know about if we're not from that background, right? And if you are somebody who is putting this together, who is, you know, white, white male, you may not have those types of experiences. I think that the other thing that happens is that there are a lot of people who are doing this kind of work who are may or may not be the best at what they do necessarily like there's the thing that's that's going on in like the big data and like the 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 business intelligence world is that there's a lot of demand for people with the title of data scientist which is basically this amalgamation of someone with domain knowledge plus statistics background plus programming right that which is not a very common skill set to have it's like the full stack developer of business intelligence, right? <laughs> so, so you have a lot of people who are, and, and I'll, I'll be upfront, I'm kind of doing that too. Like, I'm in the process of teaching myself statistics to be able to do that kind of work too, because there's, a, there's more need than there are jobs, and the people who have that title are extremely expensive to hire. So, there's a lot of people who are kind of, you know, doing this stuff and figuring it out as they go along. So, you know, when you're when you're doing that, when you're not like a Ph.D. in statistics, but you're someone who's, you know, figuring this out and maybe running it past some people, you may not do the same kinds of, uh, you know, of of rigorous modeling that somebody who really does have that background may end up doing. And then that leads to like an imperfect model being used in production. And, And the last thing that I'll say on this is that the problem with a lot of this stuff is that this is all seen as a competitive advantage these types yeah. of data models. So a lot of this data, a lot of the, the, the work that goes into these models is not shared. The, the companies that are doing this type of risk analysis are private companies that are being contracted out to the, from the justice system. So nobody really knows for sure what's going into that model or can even really reverse engineer it to figure out 
what you know what's missing or what's good and and something that's being used in the public space like this really ought to be open sourced so yeah, that so that somebody who is you know a statistician or someone who can you know read those mm-hmm. that type of programming can go in and see what's going on and point those out things out for sure rather than ProPublica kind of having to reverse engineer it based on the results and the scores that are coming out of it we're psychologists are, are we're really bad at programming computers to be able to learn human psychology we're exceptionally bad at that we're quite far away like lucky for me it's one of the jobs that would be very difficult to automate through a computer because we though as a group like as statistics you can train the pattern to know where what someone is going to do most of the time but you're going to miss a certain percentage of the time yeah. always mm-hmm. that's what statistics do is you judge the mean so maybe more often you know a group of people could be judged on a certain set of values most of the time, I think that the onus is on making sure we protect the innocent over us punishing the guilty. And I think that there's a real problem with that. How many innocent people going to jail or going to jail for a longer period of time that would not be beneficial to them are we sacrificing in order to have this quick and fast and automated? And when you ask the quest, some of the questions that they were using in order to get their metadata would be like, Um, Was one of your parents ever sent to jail or prison? Now, they said that the questions were not defined by race, but because of already the bias in race, that would bias the defendant's answer because of that. Um, How many of your friends or acquaintances are taking drugs illegally? That then biases people that live in poor areas or areas that are driven by, you know, difficulties and hardship. Um, the same thing for how many fights did you get into school or a hungry pe- person has the right to steal. These are all questions that are going to bias you. If you live in a upper class city, you might say no to that because you don't know any hungry people. You might not have any empathy to that. You may not have any understanding to that. Um, and so I think that even the fact of now, I think that, Bree, you made a good point of having at least it would be non-biased and if we could make an algorithm that would not define by um, race or um, culture, that would be better. I think that training our judges to, and training just people about biases, I, I don't like the lack of humanity that would go into just having an algorithm that would then define where you went to that. I think that our problem is that like the entire justice system is broken, and, and that's in the States. It's also in Canada. Like Really, we're sending people to jail that are nonviolent criminals, that are criminals that have done something like, you know, maybe stolen. I'm not saying that stealing is good, but is sending them to jail. It's not, jail is not a deterrent. We already know that. It's not something that is debated really anymore, except maybe from some hardline people that truly believe that it is a term. But it's statistically, we know that that is not the case. Often people go to prison and they leave better criminals. It does not rehabilitate and it does not help. There are cases, of course, where that is not true. But statistically speaking, that's not the way that it goes. And I think that, you know, it's it's such a horrible thing to take people away from their lives where they can get better. I think that sending people to rehab or a lot of people also that are dealing with mental illness um, are sent to jail instead of sent to get help and better treatment or they can't afford that or they're not on the right proper medication or the medical field has let them down. And I think that there's a huge problem with that. And it makes me so very sad to see people taken from their children and then their children also have to pay this price when what they really needed was help. 
And so I think that we need to think about the difference between violent criminals, which, yes, if you cannot live in society without hurting people, and that is beyond a reasonable doubt, I can understand you being pulled from society to protect society and protect yourself from hurting others, which is, I believe, the onus on a culture. But I think that we, you know, for for crimes where we could help people, they're nonviolent crimes or something that it's because someone is in need. I think that we need as uh, as humanity to be able to still remember to be humane. And I think that maybe our empathy is not at that level and there's definitely bias. But unfortunately, because people are making these algorithms and they have their own unconscious biases as they write these questions without having a full degree in cultural anthropology. And even then you have your own biases. It becomes a flawed system then determining people's fates. Yeah. 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 I think that's well said. Judge Dow endorses stealing. You heard it here on (laughs) Isometric. I think after that heavy topic, I have a, I have a good law law joke for you. Uh, What do lawyers wear to court? Georgia Dow. Where, what do lawyers wear? What do to lawyers court? wear to court? Lawsuits. I don't. Oh. Ah. Oh. I'm sorry. This is oh, the best man. I got. This is oh. the best I got after that heavy, heavy time. Oh my Have god. Have you told that oh, one to we Frank? We need some laughs. We need to turn this car around. So okay. What nonsense. Do we All have right. Today? All right. What do you want to? Do you want to handle a couple of questions from the from the listeners? I then we'll get out of here. Love questions. Give me some okay. questions. All right, so we got a, uh, I'm, I, we've got a whole bunch of stuff. So as as always, we'll remind you that you can get your questions into the show either by tweeting at the hashtag disrupt me or by uh, calling us at five zero eight four one eight three five three two. So we have uh, a couple things. We're not going to get to everything today. We we're gonna you know handle a couple each week and kind of. So if you don't hear your question. Uh, you know, this week. That doesn't mean that we Just forgot keep about you. Back. We'll get around to it. No, we, yes. we forgot about you. It's a judgment on you as a person. <laughs> <laughs> if you pl- if you only played more Overwatch, we would answer your question. Right, right. right. <laughs> also, it's worth saying, Judge Dow will adjudicate any court, like any problem in your marriage. Send it to Judge Dow. She will give you the answer. Georgia, who's right, me or Frank? With with all who Just am I speaking? Overall. Overall, yeah, we all we all know the answer. Okay, right. okay, <laughs> okay. See, she's fair <laughs> and she's accurate. That's that's we wisdom. all know the answer. Uh, that's wisdom. Okay, so so here let's yeah. let's play let's play voicemail. Here we go. Hey there, Team Disruption. This is Morgan from Australia. Uh, no crazy koalas this week, um, but uh, just a question for a video game question for Bree. What are your final feelings on Quiet? Uh, in Metal Gear Solid Five, this is assuming oh. you've finished the game fully. Uh, and do you feel that the story finally gives her the agency that she deserves, or is it not enough <laughs> when you're balancing it to the overt sexualization of her? Well, well, actually, I, I really feel like the story justified the the outfit and the hypersexuality of the character. No. <laughs> No, it was so bad. It was so dumb. It was so terrible. Like, oh my god. So her her whole thing at the end. Like, you don't know this if you didn't play the game. But even if you manage to suffer through this whole awesome game with this woman that's just naked <laughs> for no reason. Like, hey, I'm out in Afghanistan blowing up tanks. There's a naked woman beside me just covered in gold. I don't know why. What? Let's, let's why in gold? 
Why not? Because, like, you paid all the money that you earned to, like, everyone else gets, like, oh, snakes can get hyper-awesome battle armor or better guns. And it's, like, for quiet, it's, like, okay, you start with bronze naked paint all over her body and then you upgrade it to silver <laughs> and gold and that's her her armor is gold so paint horrible. all over her body so then you get to the final mission and you're just out there like 50 tanks are coming at you and you're having afghanistan you're like like killing all this stuff and then quiet just bloop just goes away <laughs> just like Goes away. And the entire Metal Gear base is just like, hey, I paid 100,000 points for her to be naked in gold paint. Bring her back. And they had people literally hacking the game to just put her back because her exit from the story was so stupid and nonsensical. So, no, I don't feel like it justified it. I think <laughs> she is the equivalent of a... She is... Like, there are so many terrible things that have been done to women over the history of, the, of video games. She would be in the top three, right? <laughs> like, 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 oh, oh, I'm just so upset about it. I don't feel strongly at all. But, but other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? <laughs> right. It's so I, bad. I think that I, I don't like that Bree's exceptionally ambivalent on this. <laughs> Uh, can I can I ask a happier topic or maybe oh well maybe not I don't know if I'm walking Let's something, do it. but, but uh, I mean as yeah. far as since we're talking about character designs and I know you've had issues with with blizzards in the past how do you feel about the ones in Overwatch Love them I love them I've criticized so like there's a video out there of me just critiquing Tracer's butt and it's an entire video of my <laughs> tweets on the subject <laughs> And it's like, okay, great. Thanks for turning this into a YouTube video, which, by the way, I didn't get paid for it. I sure got a lot of views for using my material. <laughs> you don't even see the sexualization in it. Um, it is zero of a problem for me. I mean, you can sit there and stare at Widowmaker, and yeah, her boobs are out and she's hypersexualized, but she's an amazing character design. And the life that is poured into every second of animation with it, like Tracer's face, she has these like darts to the side and like she blows her hair out of her face. Like they just burst with life. So I I would say this game is a 10 out of 10 for portraying women as people. And nice. I just, Cause, I, cause I women love are it. people. I hear that, Georgia. I'm not convinced about you. <laughs> but but, but for, for most of us, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, what do you think, Steve? I th I like them a lot. I I think I really like that they have like a really good array of like ethnicities that are represented in the game. Like, uh, you know, you have someone who's who's from India and someone who's from Egypt and and uh, you know, you have a larger, you know, a larger woman like not everyone is like a stick thin runway model. So I really do like a lot of the character designs and they have a lot of personality like even without like watching all of like the lore videos that you can and and they're they're entertaining but even just like playing them in the game like you get used to their personalities and like they feel like people so you know friend of the show uh danielle uh Rindeau, she she did some fantastic journalism this week with the excellent youtube video talking about if uh zaria was her girlfriend <laughs> in the show because she has the most soft butch 
awesome vibe. And I have to admit, like, I love Widowmaker. I love Tracer. But, like, Zarya excites me in ways I don't understand. And I just, I love that she's instantly a gay icon, even though her, like, sexuality isn't really discussed in the game. So... I love her. I I mean, I love that they even give like Bastion, who's just a robot who turns into like a chain gun, like a personality, you know, like that, that little whistle that he does when he turns into the tank is just, it's, it's adorable in a way that like, you know, a walking machine of death really shouldn't be. He's kind of like, he's kind of like our Georgia Dow actually in a way. Yeah. I'll take that as a compliment. Thank you. Yeah. All right. We should move on. Hi there, Disrupticons. This is Henry, and I'm calling in with a question about something you all have in common. From what we, the loyal listeners, have heard, you've all found amazing, loving partners that appreciate your weirdnesses or at least tolerate your socks. I, on the other hand, <laughs> seem to be in a funk when it comes to love and have to leave my online dating accounts after, well, let's just call it burning out on it all. But the risk of getting into corny territory how did you all meet your significant others? And do you have any advice for dating in this age of disruption? Uh, oh, very nice. That is a good and question. That was very nicely done. I love that question. Yeah. That is fantastic. So I met Dr. Wu. Uh, so I was dating three different boys at the time. And I didn't like any of them. I found all three of them to be unacceptable boyfriends. So I met, I I was like, I go to a science fiction uh, convention and I go, yeah, okay, they've got this artist dude over here. Well, I'm going to go in there and like, maybe he'll be a decent boyfriend. So I went there (laughs) and and there was Frank and I look at him and he was wearing a spiky shoes. I go, hey, did you uh, steal those shoes from Neil Armstrong? (laughs) (laughs) And it was like, what? And then he couldn't run his projector because uh, he's very terrible at technology. So I go, I'll fix that. And uh, and uh, we got engaged three weeks later. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but this is the best part. Like, Frank gave me his phone number. And then I didn't call him back because I had a date that afternoon. And <laughs> with one of the three or with I someone did. else? I did. And then I broke up with Gregory because I was talking to him and he didn't have a job. I was like, no, Frank Wu is much better than you. And this isn't going to work out. <laughs> so yes, I broke up with him. And then uh, Frank was very pissed off at me because I didn't call him back. And then the next day I uh, put on a gorgeous dress and I went and found him at this convention. And I married that mo- mofo. <laughs> Is that not a Brianna story? That yeah. is a Brianna story to the max. All right. All right. What about you, Georgia? Uh, so I met Anthony doing martial arts. Uh, he was in my martial art class and we did martial arts together and we were best friends. And uh, we were best friends for a really long time. And then we started dating and the rest was history. Um, and I'll give some advice for, for you to find someone. Probably the best way to find someone would not be online dating or going to a bar. People are already um, expecting it and their backs up or against the wall. And you're never really going to find out who someone is. And it becomes very superficial. So if you look like Brad Pitt, you end up winning out. If you end up having great personality, you lose. And that should not be the way that it goes. Um, People should judge people because looks fade and personalities forever. So you pick someone because they have a great personality, you match with them, and you actually enjoy their company. And so what you should do 
is, as the best bait dating strategy is to join a club or a group somewhere where you'll get to know people. It's a social event. And then to flip the odds in your favor, you should join something where you are the sex that is the minority in the group. So you have a greater pool of people to choose from. Mm, love that. Interesting. Yeah. Love it that. Works well. I joined martial arts. That's how I found my husband. And I was <laughs> the only girl. Yeah, like if you're a dude and you're like at a Hillary Clinton rally, that's probably going to be in your favor, <laughs> yeah. I would imagine. That would probably so, be a good strategy. Yeah. Or a Tory yeah. Amos concert you, you, or something like that, yeah. Or what a dance practice, uh, something, yeah. So what if you're a gal who's into gal or gals or a dude who's into dudes? Do you find a place with lots of dudes or a few dudes or well, it gals? Would be, it would be great if you went to a community service that dealt with people that were like, you know, if, if you were lesbian, it would be great if you went to something that was a community-organized lesbian organization so that you're with other people and you can just meet other people that are dealing with that and mm-hmm. they may have other friends. And so that would be a really great way to deal with it because it is a little bit more difficult to be able to know whether someone else is interested or guys or girls. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. it can be something where you kind of get lost in the mix. But if you join something, one is you can do a lot of great for the community, have a lot of fun, meet other people that are like-minded in certain different ways so if you're into environment join an environmental group but if you can join an environmental group where you're the only person of that sex that's great and if you're joining an environmental group that is dealing with lgbt then that also increases your odds and it can be a great way i think that we spend so much time on social media and behind screens and it's nice to get out there and actually meet people real day-to-day life and see who you match best with and then do it. Ask. Georgia, I have to say, I would I would just suspect that you've probably spent less time at like the gay club than my kid. <laughs> that, would be, that would be my guess with you. So I appreciate your advice on that, but yeah. I have a different perspective on that subject. You so. could, but actually I do a lot of work with LGBT and people that are okay, dealing with issues. Cool. And she also hangs out a lot at puzzles. I do. <laughs> Anywho, yeah. uh, who's next? It's, it's almost like saying that you can't talk about, um, which happens a lot. Like, you know, people say that you can't talk about an issue unless you're the person that's dealing with the issue. And no, that's no, no. probably I, not. I, I, yeah. I guess, I don't know. I think there is a lot of discussion that one could have on this subject about hookup culture and moving in with each other on the second date and a lot of uh, dating. Gay dating is hard. I will just say that. So Fair. 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 Micah, do you agree with that? Do you disagree? (laughs) Well, the the funny thing is, honestly, uh, well, first of all, yeah, I definitely agree with you there, Georgia, (laughs) on the fact that like, and I know that that's not what Brie was saying, but yeah, I, I sometimes get a little weirded out because one of my friends who isn't uh, black will, you know, make a comment about black culture or say something about how it really sucks that blah, 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 blah. And then they kind of recoil, not recoil, but they kind of like pull themselves away and they're like, oh, but maybe I shouldn't be talking about this. No, if you have, if you have, uh, if you're an ally of any sort, then you have just as much right to, to say these things as everyone else. And um, honestly, you probably have more experience than I do. I never really uh, like my my full official like one hundred percent coming out uh, w- happened right before I met Shane, and so there was never really any period of of going out and and doing a whole bunch of a uh, whole bunch of that kind of stuff that the hookup culture and all that uh, oh that fun God. stuff. <laughs> um, 
So yeah, I I like hardly know anything about gay clubs. But anyway, I <laughs> oh um, my god, can I tell you the most awesome story before you do that? This is a really <laughs> yes. good story. Let's, I would this love is a to really hear good story. story. So this is why I work for the Republicans in DC. <laughs> so sorry, so, I just can't see. Yeah, go Bri- for it. Brianna Wu, making America great again. <laughs> yeah. So I was out there, and I'm not going to give you the name of the person I was working for. Um, but their name I was. Want to, I want to. Oh, my God, I want to. <laughs> so anyway, we had a hyper-rich Republican donor. And, oh, my God, we were trying so, so hard to, like, get money from this person. And they were the world's biggest closet queen. They were the world's biggest <laughs> closet queen. They were the world's biggest closet queen. And they were like in their, you know, like mid 50s. And they were like, hey, Brianna, uh, you're always out there at Velvet Nation. Um, do you want to ask him if he wants to go out there? And I'm like, all right, strap on your stupid and let's do this. And we're like <laughs> out there. And I'm like, so I'm rolling with this like 55 year old Republican no. going to Nation. <laughs> and I swear to God, it it was so funny because, like, within like ten minutes of being there, he's like in the middle of the dance floor. He's got his shirt ripped what? off. He's out there making out with some dude, and he wrote us the biggest check. He wrote us the biggest <laughs> check for the Republican Party oh, that you've ever gosh. seen in your entire life. He's just making out with this guy that's like barely. I'm like, is this even legal? Is that person <laughs> over twenty? Because I don't think they're over twenty. Here you go, oh, that's sir. Incredible. Here, oh, have God. some alcohol. Right. <laughs> and write another check. Yeah. <laughs> I swear, like, it, it was, just so you know what the gay club scene was like in D.C. in, like, the 2000s, like, there were people at this club, and you would go into the bathroom, and there was so much drug use that, like, they had to take the stall doors off oh because gosh. people would go in there to do X or, you know, any kind of illegal drug you can imagine so yeah sounds fun you've never done that micah you've got a list see what you missed out on micah aren't you obviously i'm so sad i missed out on on all of that maybe the part where (laughs) i get someone drunk enough that they bankroll my campaign that's something i need to do yeah uh but the rest of it i can i can uh wait out but anyway uh i could i could live without those uh so shane uh, and I went to the same university, uh, and it turns out that he knew me a long time before I knew him, uh, which is kind of a funny thing that is also something that I like to tell people, and then we laugh about it, uh, because uh, apparently when I was a freshman, uh, he was also a freshman in college, and I went out to lunch with some friends, and when they they invited me to lunch, I was thinking like, oh, the three of us are going to go out to lunch, uh, and then I showed up, and there was like, 25 people at this giant table and I was like this is not my idea of a lunch but I sat down and ate with them and kind of talked with those with the other people that I was with and they talked with everybody at the table um and I calmly got up and left after the lunch was uh, after I was done eating and was like ah this is not my scene to talk with 25 people I don't know um so I uh you know left or whatever and a lot of time passed. Um, it was, I guess, that would have been junior year of of university. And uh, I remember this day because I was sitting downstairs in my apartment uh, with my roommates. And we were watching for some weird reason. Uh, one of my roommates was a dancer in high school. And she'd like 
put in her dance recital DVD and we were watching her dance recital and I was doing laundry. This is so glamorous. Um, <laughs> so I'm folding laundry and I get this message and it was on Facebook Messenger and it said, hey. Um, and I looked to see who it was and it was this guy. Um, and I didn't quite know i like i had no idea who this person was but you know they're interested in or whatever said that they were interested in guys and um at the time i was still uh not out to my family um i was out to a, a few of my very close friends but not to my family um and so like being confronted with this was a big thing for me where it was like am i going to respond to this person and kind of like within myself acknowledge that yes micah you are bisexual and you can be attracted to a guy like that was all a a very like you know the walls were coming down or Mm. whatever where if you do it then this is you committing to it and if you don't then you don't because i had i had dated a guy for i want to say like a year and a half, two years before that, but he lived in the United Kingdom. Um, and so not having him like locally was a, like there was a way to kind of separate that. And so this was like the first time where it was like, this is the real deal thing. Anyway, I chose to respond. Um, and we started talking and everything like that. And, uh, some time elapsed that night and he's like, Oh, my, my phone's about to die. So if you want to keep talking, then here's my number, which of course his phone was not about to die. Uh, right. So yeah. like, I, I texted him <laughs> and we talked for a while and we finally, um, you know, met up in person and went out to, uh, dinner and we, it was super, super late at night. Cause that was the only time that he could, uh, hang out cause he worked all day. And we went to IHOP of all places and because it was 24 seven and I like IHOP. Well, it turns out that Shane's least favorite restaurant in the world is IHOP. Uh, So yeah, yeah, like the first time we met. I I don't know how I feel about this relationship if he's not a fan of IHOP. Yeah, I don't think you're, I think Shane needs to find someone with better taste in restaurants. And Steve disagrees. He he thinks that that Shane should like IHOP. But yeah, I I do. I mean, they have cupcake pancakes. What else do you need in your life? It was close to where I lived, and it was open 24-7. Anyway, so, yeah, we met <laughs> so, there. So, Micah, just for- so you know, the whole time you're telling this story, I realize that has nothing to do with what's actually going on. <laughs> but in my head right now, I'm hearing, like, Carl Cox, Give Me Your Love, like, like, like that is the song that's going on in my head as, oh my as you're telling this story. It's what was playing so, in my heart at the time. No. So, anyway, that's, right. that's the story. It's that's a good how we song. met each other. That's lovely. Uh. Steve, do you have any stories like... No, Can you top that? No, well, they're not going to involve coming out, no. But, um, <laughs> uh, no, well, so Maureen and I met, also met in college. And I, so I was running the, uh, the humor magazine in the college at the time. And one of the things that I had to do was the layout of the magazine, which uh, I got basically got suckered into and nobody else wanted to do. And Maureen had been – she joined the, the magazine like when – she she was a freshman when I was a sophomore, so she joined the the staff of the magazine like the first week of college or whatever. And I was like completely oblivious that she started <laughs> showing up regularly to all the layout sessions when nobody else would. Um, not because she had any interest in layout, but because she because <laughs> she was she <laughs> just wanted to hang out with me. And the, it, it came out Rawr. to one point one point where 
I didn't hear the door knocking and she and her friend were in the process of trying to jimmy the dorm room lock open with a credit card when I opened the door and and saw them standing there with their credit with a with like an ID card trying to unlock the lock. Like, what are you doing? But uh, (laughs) so what you say to us. Yeah. But uh, so eventually we uh, we ended up going out on our first date, like after Thanksgiving of that year. And we uh, well, we we disagree on what our official first date was. But I guess our, our unofficial first date was me going to buy a skirt because I had a I had an art project that I needed fabric for. But she just likes to say that I was buying a skirt. So mm-hmm. she went with. Yeah, she went with me for that. But uh, yeah. And then, <laughs> and then we were just we just, you know, we were attached ever since. And then we got married right after college. So. Yeah, so so I guess just, you know, do something really boring and uh don't be oblivious until they beat you over the head with the fact that they're interested in you. That that's my advice oh, to you. Oh yeah, I I forgot about the advice thing. Uh f- for yeah. me, I think it would be, you know, if if the on like I have two friends actually who who did do online dating and they are both getting married this year and next year. Uh, they met their, their significant others online. So like, I don't, uh, there is a weird stigma attached to online dating. And when Georgia was talking earlier about it, uh, you know, I know she wasn't saying that like, you should never do that, but there no, are ways for that some it's people easier. It works, but for this yeah. guy that's writing in, it didn't. So yeah, yeah, the, oh, yeah, yeah. the online dating thing yeah. didn't seem to work. Yeah. For him, yeah. So. Which is okay. Like, again, it's hard. It's harder yeah. for, for guys. I, usually. It's harder. I love that idea that you had about meeting in person. You know, I'm not as gorgeous as like Georgia Dow is. Oh, but, like, stop there was that. this there was this like uh there was this book in the nineties, like when I was a teenager, about dating advice for women and one of them was like be a creature unlike any other. I'm like, I got that game on lock, man. Let's do this. Let's do it. And, you know, it's really weird because, I mean, I travel all the time and I get hit on, like, just constantly. Like, it's like, I don't know. I think it's just like, you've got to be yourself. You want to be memorable. And, yeah, be yourself. Oh, I got that. I got that. Yeah. You want to be memorable. Yeah. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong. Any way you find someone is a good way. If it's online, if it's not, like whatever yeah. works for you. But you have to risk failure, and there'll be rejection, and you don't have you. You want to just give it a shot. You're never gonna. You don't want to look back and say, "I wish that I had asked that person," because maybe they'd say yes. And there's a lot of supermodels that talk about being alone and not getting to go to prom because no one asked them. And so you know, go and ask someone, and just you know, have confidence. Have you know, be be whomever you want to be and just give it a shot because you never know. They may say yes. Do you know what else I think, Georgia? Like something I see a lot with, uh, you know, like girlfriends that are, um, uh, they're single is I see a lot of people that like are in mediocre relationships and like try to make it work and they keep forcing it and it's like oh this isn't quite working out it just seems to me from my perspective that everyone i know with a a good solid marriage um it just it's not like constantly fighting all the time and do you know what i mean like it constant it it just works at a certain level and what i see with a lot of people is you've talked before on the show about the fear of like change, like causing people to stay in like bad situations, mm-hmm. right? And I really think like if it's not working for you, like don't stay in something that's mediocre. Cause like when marriage works, you just know. And the other thing I would say is 
like the reason Frank and I work together is because we're two people that have had a lot of pain over the course of our lives. And rather than just like stay in a hole and decide, you know, oh, we're perfect the way that we are. We both went to therapy and worked on ourselves. And I think we, we grew from those experiences. I think most good marriages come with that kind of, um, that ability to be humble and to realize your own faults and that goodwill to kind of try to make it right with the other person because most of yeah. marriage is just roommate stuff. So <laughs> yeah, no, I think that yeah. you're absolutely right to think about you, you, you're not enemies to each other. You're both on the same team and you should yeah. be fighting for that. And if you know, you fight, if you win, that means that the other person loses and, and that makes it a really difficult situation. And yeah, you should try to, grow and evolve and become a better person in a lot of people that's very scary for some people because you have to look at your own faults and failings and mistakes very honestly and then decide that you're going to do something that feels unnatural to you and different than that and so sometimes it means taking off the armor that you've used all your life to keep yourself safe and yeah. sometimes that means yeah. taking that off yeah yeah so speaking right. of ta- speaking of taking off armor, I guess we've reached the point where we accost the listeners to go rate the show. You know what? Uh, I think this bit is played out, Steve Lubitz. I think this bit is played out. I'm 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 not going to do that this week. Okay. I will tell you though. I have a I have a tip for your marriage. I have a dungeon master tip this week for you. This is a good one. So uh, Frank and I went cave exploring this weekend. We really did. We went to New Hampshire, and this is our woo summer of adventure. So we got super bright giant flashlights with like 400D batteries in it that blinded <laughs> children, and like went exploring in caves. And we got to the gift shop. And there in the gift shop, like, do you know how when Link, Link reaches into the chest, it goes da 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 So I saw in the gift shop these slippers that are giant monster feet. They're giant monster <laughs> feet. They're like four times bigger. And they have like these claws that are coming off of it. So we've talked on the old show, Isometric, about the Dungeon Master's Guide to Breeze Marriage and Pillowmania and Georgia played Monster Mania with you. So now we have a new marriage game. It's whenever you're wearing the monster shoes, you can rip anything out of the other person's hand and they kick it angry at you. So like Frank will be just okay, on like so- he was on the couch the other day, and I just put on the monster shoes, and I go, and I got his patent, and I just ripped it from his hands, and I ran into the back of the house. And I'm done with his laptop, and his iPhone, and his pillow, and are his you glasses, running, and his Are you food. running in the monster slippers? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I <laughs> Do will they sacrifice make that growly my body. Noise when you when you step? I never stop making that growly noise, Georgia. <laughs> that's why it's like. That's not the slippers. That's that's Brie Brizilla Bree, making those Bree. noises. There. No, it's great. So yeah, that's that is <laughs> that is awesome. That is the best. Instead of berating you to like rate the uh, show this week, I would say go buy some monster <laughs> slippers and steal stuff from your significant other with full immunity. <laughs> I can't wait. Oh my god. <laughs> can I just read one of these reviews though? Of because I think can. it has okay. yeah. I think it has some very sure. important points that, that we should bring to light. Who could say no to Salty Steve? There was one entitled Georgia Dow is a dangerous menace to society, but it's not your society. 
Uh, I'm glad that George's <laughs> secret power struggle against Brianna Wu evidently concluded in her favor. May they never find the body, even though we all know it's underneath George's oh, brother's geez. haunted mansion, and Ghost Wu will be back next yes. week to continue the Doom fight. That said, I'm worried that George's preparations for the apocalypse do not extend to the impending radicalism. Georgia, when the rodents rise up to reclaim their sewers, will you be able to escape unscathed? Zero out of ten no GLaDOS references in the AI segment. That's fair. I think that's, that's fair, fair and fair and balanced is, is what I think. Fair, that fair and balanced. And balanced. That's, that's so exactly fair and balanced. Right. On that note, you can you can find the link to iTunes where you can go and rate the show at our show notes, which are at relay.fm slash disruption. You can also send your questions in by tweeting um, disrupt me or you can call 508-418-3532. We are, as always, part of the amazing Relay FM network where you can find us and Rocket and some other shows that aren't us and Rocket. And uh, you can also follow us, all of us, on Twitter. Uh, The show's account is underscore disruption FM. I am at Wicked Good. And Brie, where can people find you? It's Cat Girl. And Georgia? At Georgia underscore Dow. And Micah. At Micah Sergeant. So, show's over. We're done. Go. We're done. Go listen to something else. <laughs> Bye. Bye. There's nothing else. Bye.